What's up, Football MD fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Football MD podcast. I am your host, Daniel Ronan, and on behalf of the Football MD team, thank you for joining us for episode 60 of the Football MD podcast. In episode 59, part A to our um, three week wrap up, we covered the AFC and the entire first three weeks of football and broke down the entire AFC. We'll be doing the same for the NFC today. This is because of a break that the football MD team was forced to take due to personal reasons. We weren't able to be with you in the beginning of the season. Through the podcast, we were on our website and our social media pages. So hope you were following us at footballmdpodcast.com or on social media at footballmdpod. But now that we are back, we are as excited as ever and uh, we're ready to get rolling. We'll be with you weekly for the rest of the season, but we do have to catch up. So a lot to digest. Part A, AFC first three weeks. Part B, where you're at right now, welcome. Um, will be the NFC and we'll start right at the bottom and we'll work our way up the conference starting with the Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins sitting at 0-3 really came out in their first game week one pretty hot against the Philadelphia Eagles but it really didn't last too long. They didn't even get the win in that game. The Philadelphia Eagles with the come behind victory late in the game and then since then the Washington Redskins have played the Dallas Cowboys and Chicago Bears so not really any slouches. They played a three- tough games two divisional games and now they got the Giants next week so no really easy light games to really kind of get going and build some confidence but you know this team starting with Case Keenum I I did not expecting much from them but luckily I think next week they're going to start looking towards Dwayne Haskins which will definitely improve the team as a whole but I think it's still I think this team has a long way to go especially in a division where the Dallas Cowboys seem like they're going to dominate and uh really handedly control this division this year which rightfully so so it's going to make it tough for the Washington Redskins a couple of bright spots Terry McLaurin from Ohio State the rookie wide receiver for the Washington Redskins is one of the best draft picks they've had in quite a while he's he's been stellar um the unfortunate part is that's really the only bright side for the offensive side of the football because realistically no Trent Williams on at left tackle he's still holding out and the run game you expected Darius Geist to finally return this year and he's hampered with an injury and out of the lineup yet again. So the Washington Redskins with, you know, just some tough luck lately, you know. Honestly, that's what it boils down to. And quite frankly, it's putting uh, the other Gruden's job on the line. But rightfully so, if you can't get wins, you know, they're going to have to move on from you. And it looks like the Washington Redskins are trending in that direction. Hopefully, not for too much longer. Hopefully in a season or two, they could turn it around. But it doesn't seem like Jay Gruden will be at the helm for much longer unless they can... uh, Find a way to get a win. We'll keep things moving right along. Right on to the Arizona Cardinals, sitting at 0-2-1. Now, the Arizona Cardinals have a little bit more to be excited for, in my opinion, with uh, Kyler Murray at the helm. Maybe that's not going to immediately transition into wins, but, you know, right now, he's doing some things that really is going to give you hope and make you confident that the Cardinals, in the long run, have found their guy. They have some pieces around him. Larry Fitzgerald's not going to be around forever, but Christian Kirk and David Johnson in the backfield aren't a... uh, bad tandem to work with plus a little bit of depth with like Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson and Hakeem Butler guys like that going forward and you know the defense is missing probably their best player in Patrick Peterson um shut down corner right now they're relying as Robert Alford as their best guy which as a Falcons fan I could attest to the fact that Alford's good he's a talented player but he's not the guy that you want leading you know your 
secondary at the cornerback position because he does commit a lot of penalties and he's not the greatest. He's not shut down. He's not a lockdown corner. So unfortunately, not too uh, good on the defensive side of the ball there. And you that's evident by uh, what we've seen this season, allowing over 20 points in every single game. And honestly, the only really dominant team that they played against is the Baltimore Ravens. Besides that, the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers neither scare me right now, especially the Kyle Allen-led Carolina Panthers. Now, quite frankly, um, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but they look a little better with Kyle Allen at the helm rather than Cam Newton because Cam Newton doesn't seem to be 100%. Um, Like I said, we'll discuss that later, but Arizona Cardinals really... You know, Kyler Murray, you are a starter, and you should, you know, probably step up and try to get the win in a week where the Panthers are without their star quarterback. Um, But yeah, so Arizona, you know, not great, but they're right where we expect, Um, even fighting a little bit harder at times, like we've seen against the Detroit Lions to get that tie. You know, like I said, we didn't expect them to be great, but at the same time, they have things to be excited about and things that are giving them hope. So definitely could be worse for the Arizona Cardinals. And up next, because we'll keep it moving right along, we got a lot of teams to cover. The Carolina Panthers sitting at 1-2. and two. Now this is a team that is clearly struggling. And you know what? They have everything in place. They have good defensive backs. They have a front seven led by Luke Keekley with a lot of talent along the defensive line. And they have an offense with, you know, a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, a gadget, you know, speedster with uh, Curtis Samuel. And they have CMC Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, you know, one of the best dual threat running backs, if not the best dual threat running back in the NFL, being able to run and catch, do it all in between the tackles and on the sideline. He can really, you know, he's very versatile, but we all know about Christian McCaffrey. The thing is the quarterback position, Cam Newton. He's supposed to be their guy. Unfortunately, due to more injuries, just like last year, they have Kyle Allen step in. And Kyle Allen, yeah, he had a great game, but against the Arizona Cardinals, which is a team that doesn't really scare you, and it's just one game. Is he going to be able to lead the team throughout the whole season to, you know, playoff aspirations, as I feel the talent on this roster warrants? So although they sit at 1-2 and two with an okay schedule ahead of them, they got the Houston Texans, with his, which will be a tough matchup. But then they got Jacksonville Jaguars and then the Tampa Bay Bucks, two winnable games. They their season's not over at one and two and in the situation they're at. But I'm just more concerned of the product they're putting on the field. That's what scares me more. Obviously, it's still very early, and any team that has at least one win right now, statistically speaking, still has a decent chance of making the playoffs. And you know, as long as like I said, you have one win, you're still in the picture. And with the long road to go and a talented roster like the Carolina Panthers are, they should be have a little bit more hope. But unfortunately, with the Cam Newton situation and the quarterback situation, I'm just not feeling the hope for the Carolina Panthers. Now, from a fantasy perspective, they've been great. And Kyle Allen will probably be great from a fantasy perspective, especially for the weapons around him. DJ Moore with a big pass, like, I'm sorry, reception. But you weren't getting that with Cam Newton at the helm while he's being injured, at least now. Kyle Allen, he can throw the football, and he's 100%. It might not be as good as all the other quarterbacks in the league, but he's 100%, and that's comforting at the very least, rather than having, you know, even an 80% Cam Newton, just because these are professional athletes. I'll take 100% over 80% any day, because the margin of skill is not so much so where, you know, if you're not playing at 100%, you can't be surpassed. If you're not playing at 100% in the NFL, 
you know, guys are going to surpass you because they're at 100% and they're working hard. And this is the NFL. They're already pretty talented to begin with to have made it this far. So, you know, Kyle Allen might be their best option, but that doesn't instill a ton of hope, in my opinion, for the team. From a fantasy perspective, great, excellent. In fact, by DJ Moore, by Curtis Samuel, by Greg Olson, who I didn't mention, but Greg Olson with a rejuvenated look this season, and then Christian McCaffrey. You know, by them all, Kyle Allen, maybe even stream him in positive matchups, but, you know, from a season-long productive standpoint, not where the Carolina Panthers wish as they were, in my opinion. Up next is the 1-2 and two Falcons, and quite frankly, I'm going to be pretty harsh on the Atlanta Falcons, because I'm really not thrilled with the way they've been playing. I'm a Falcons fan personally, but, uh, it's not going to seem like it here because they just aren't playing well. To really honestly, you can see the 12 points they put up against the Vikings in week one and say that they didn't get shut out. They got dominated. They got shut out. Those 12 points were completely in garbage time when the Vikings have not only taken their foot off the gas, they pretty much had their foot slammed on the brake. Like they were in dead stop mode. They didn't just want to get out of there. I felt like they were sick of scoring against Atlanta so and then the same thing goes against the Colts honestly like this past week the Indianapolis Colts with Jacoby Brissett the Falcons should be trying to win that game I'm sorry Matt Ryan as a veteran quarterback to have a guy like that step in and Jacoby Brissett is talented I talked about it on the last episode but Matt Ryan that's a game that you guys got to be trying to take advantage of and they just didn't get the job done you know huge injury to Keanu Neal he'll miss back-to-back seasons now first with the uh, ACL now with an Achilles but no excuse and the one bright spot against the Eagles, quite frankly, you got lucky that the Eagles got demolished by injury. That That's how I took that game. Because without the demolishing of all their starters, including Carson Wentz for a time being, the Eagles, they were the better team there. And unfortunately, they didn't get the win because the Falcons were able to edge them out in the uh, home field advantage. But it's just terrible. And the penalties for the Falcons against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, just just awful about like eight penalties for 128 yards like you're not gonna win that way you're beating yourself Dan Quinn said it in the interview so listen the Falcons again any team one and two they're still in the ball game you know they're not out of it yet the Falcons they're on their way home to play the Tennessee Titans in Atlanta that's you know a beneficial matchup for them then they'll have the Texans and the Cardinals, so, you know, a tough matchup, but then again, another winnable matchup, so the Falcons can right the ship, but I'm not impressed with what I'm seeing. From a fantasy perspective, the offense isn't what you expect. I mean, the passing game, of course, it's been good, but Matt Ryan has six interceptions already this season. He had seven all year last year, so being that we're headed into week four, we didn't even get there yet, and he already almost matched his interception total from the previous season. It's not looking good. Um, I mean, hopefully he just goes on a tear and stops throwing some interceptions, but it's not off to a promising start. And Devonta Freeman hasn't had a game where he reached 100 yards. I don't believe he has a touchdown this season. So the Atlanta Falcons, their offense is not what it seems. I mean, the good thing is Julio Jones has been great. Touchdown in every single matchup. You know, he's been dominating. Calvin Ridley's been promising too. Besides this past week, he only had one reception. But besides that, he's been good. So the passing game, it is what it is in Atlanta. We know what it is. Oh, big game for Austin Hooper last week. That was nice because, you know, how thin the tight end position is for fantasy 
But at the same time, like I said, Atlanta just not cutting it. And what they're doing isn't cutting it. So got to really make some big changes if they want to right this ship, especially with the loss of Keanu Neal detrimental to the back end of that secondary it sucks because he really is one of the leaders on the team and he sets the tone sets the tone so it's going to be difficult but Atlanta I'm praying that you could write the ship I'm not really too confident in the abilities but as a fan as a fan of the Falcons of course I'll keep hope out until the my last breath until their last breath keeping it rolling here going right into the New York Giants and you know the Giants we didn't expect them to be great we know what they have their defense is spotty they got a lot of young guys so it's not really going to lead to a lot of production they're sitting at one and two they got their sole win behind Danny Dimes that's right it's not Eli Manning that gets the New York Giants their first win it is Daniel Jones and uh can't say that I'm surprised and the surprising thing about it is that he did it without Saquon Barkley that's the surprise I'm not too surprised that Eli didn't get the win and that Daniel Jones did especially because the matchup that he got the Tampa Bay Bucks, where Eli Manning had the Cowboys, you know, uh, that's not, that's not fair, <laughs> you know, that's a much tougher game than Dallas Cowboys, and now Eli probably should have been able to beat the Bills, but they've been hot too this year, they're still th- sitting at 3-0, and so realistically, Daniel Jones did get the best matchup, he got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he did play great, he was impressive, he did it on the ground, he did it through the air, he threw two touchdowns, ran for two touchdowns, so he did it in a way where Eli Manning wouldn't have gotten that win. He wouldn't have ran for two touchdowns. He probably wouldn't have had them in the game that late. Now, of course, it took a missed field goal, a missed gimme chip shot field goal for the Tampa Bay Bucks in order for them to lose and the Giants to win. But even still, Daniel Jones played well without Saquon Barkley. And going forward, you know, they're not going to be great this year. We know what the Giants are. They're still rebuilding. They don't really have the talent at the wide receiver position. They really are hanging their hats on Evan Ingram at the tight end position. And of course, Saquon Barkley, who's now going to miss some time. He's going to miss, honestly, he might not be back until after the bye week. That's like about week 11, I think. So they're going to lose Barkley, but Daniel Jones at the helm going forward. I I like that. At least get him some experience, if nothing else. He'll struggle from time to time, but you'll also see heroic stuff like he did this past weekend. And, you know... This week, they have Washington Redskins coming up, so get them into your fantasy lineups. You know, why not? (laughs) Washington hasn't been great on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the New York Giants can take advantage of that, and Daniel Jones can take advantage of that. As for a fantasy perspective from the rest, no Saquon Barkley means Wayne Gallman's going to take over, and I'm not too confident in that, so I wouldn't run out to go grab him. Keep your eye on him, maybe. Maybe grab him if you have an extra bench spot and you just want to stash him. Maybe pick him up because you don't want somebody else to use him against you. That's not a bad you know, idea either, but I'm not too concerned. Wayne Gallman is not Saquon Barkley. You're not going to get the return from Wayne Gallman that you do from Saquon Barkley, so don't think that you're replacing him like that, and don't think the Giants are replacing him like that. They don't have a lot of weapons besides Barkley, so I do expect it to get relatively tough, especially against better teams. You know, next week against the Washington Redskins, maybe they step up uh, Wayne Gallman and Daniel Jones and carry them to a victory. But, you know, then you got the Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots back-to-back. That's going to be tough. Those type of games are really going to be difficult with a young signal caller and without Saquon Barkley to lean against to simplify the game plan. So that's the New York Giants. And we'll keep it rolling here. Up next is the Philadelphia Eagles. They also sit at one and two. Now, the Eagles, 
I honestly feel bad for them because, like I said, against the Atlanta Falcons, they were devastated by injury, and they played a better game. They played a better game than the Falcons, and yet the Falcons came away with the win. That's always heartbreaking. So the Philadelphia Eagles now, they got their sole win against the Washington Redskins in Week 1. That was a come-from-behind victory. So they really have been struggling. And then the Detroit Lions losing to the Detroit Lions in Week 3. I'm surprised by that because the Philadelphia Eagles, I do think, are just a better team than the Lions, better team than the Redskins, better team than the Falcons. They're just a better team. And now, unfortunately, they got to go into Green Bay and play a much better team than them with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And, you know, they look great on the defensive side of the ball as well. And if Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is getting the help from complimentary defensive side of football, that's going to be a dangerous team regardless. You know, that's just scary. And Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers doesn't need much help on the offensive side of the ball, but if he's getting it on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to make them dangerous, uh, especially down the stretch when it comes to the playoffs. And I don't know if Philly can handle that, especially with going to Green Bay on Thursday night, later tonight. I just it's going to be a tough game for them. And honestly, I think they really wanted to take advantage of the weaker teams that they faced earlier so they can go into this game and, you know, possibly absorb a loss and not have it be detrimental to their season. They fall to 1 and 4. That's going to be uh I'm sorry, 1 and 3. It's going to be tough to bounce back from that. Um you would really hope to get back to 2 and 2. But it is what it is. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're still not out of it. Like I said, any team with one win right now isn't out of it. And going forward, from a fantasy perspective, Carson Wentz, as long as he's healthy and remains healthy, you know, he's a great quarterback. He's going to throw for a ton of yards. And honestly, with the way the game's been going, he, he's been behind and he's had to throw to stay in games and he had to throw to catch up. So that's where he's getting the bulk of his fantasy points from. Alshon Jeffrey set to return this week. Get him in your lineups. He's a dynamite. You would never keep him out, in my opinion, because he always has the opportunity to catch a touchdown pass with, you know, his play style and his size. The real heartbreaker is that backfield. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Corey Clement, whoever's carrying the football, Darren Sproles. They're just going with such a stable of backs, it's hard to trust any one player, which is what I predicted in the offseason. That's the way the Philadelphia Eagles have been running their backfield for quite a while. It's just frustrating because Miles Sanders is such a talented player. It makes it real difficult. And then you know what you're going to get. You got to have Zach Ertz. That's the guy you want in this offense. So, you know, if it's not really Zach Ertz, everybody else is just B to Zach Ertz in this offense. But there's still definitely some viable options. Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and definitely Miles Sanders. Hopefully they start leaning towards him. But even still, he's been catching the ball. He's been running the ball pretty well. So he's been serviceable if you drafted him. Uh, definitely not like a premier back. You're not going to get that return on him because they use a stable of backs, but we've known that about Philly for quite some time. So definitely no surprise there. Keeping it rolling, we're going to get right into the Tampa Bay Bucks sitting at one and two. Honestly, really surprised with the Bucks at one and two. Uh, they looked very much like the Bucks last week when they blew that lead against the New York Giants. But as besides that, I'm definitely surprised that they have a win. Is that bad to say? I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad, but it's true. I can't believe that they beat the Carolina Panthers. I really, that boggles my mind because I definitely expected Tampa Bay Bucks to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I believe they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They will continue to be. And down the stretch, they won't be in the playoff hunt. But, you know... I guess everybody, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes, and they got one against the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Bucks. they did. And from a fantasy perspective, 
the real bright spot is the guys that you you know rely on with them, which is pretty much solely Mike Evans, has been you know reliable. And quite frankly, the emergence of Godwin as like a true number two, like real productive fantasy asset, he's finally arrived, and that's been very pleasant. But same deal in the backfield: Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. They both shouldn't be starting running backs, and yet the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, they insist on shipping them out there each week and being mediocre. That's unfortunate. The defense is talented. Uh, it's upsetting that they're not better. They're really not good. They let up 30 points in two of the three games they played in. Obviously, the two losses, 32 and 31. 32 against the New York Giants and 31 against the San Francisco 49ers. So, Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, I definitely am not... I'm surprised they even have one win at this point, so I feel like they should be happy about that. But regardless... Definitely not a team that uh, I would be relying on. Sell high if you have anybody who's in, who you know your league mates are interested in, because I definitely don't trust the Buccaneers going forward. We will move right on to the Seattle Seahawks, um, as sitting at two and one from here on out. The NFC they have more positive, you know, above five hundred teams than the AFC. Not surprised there. The uh, NFC has always been a little bit more competitive, in my opinion, but. Uh, we won't discuss that right now. Well, like I said, we'll get right into the Seattle Seahawks. Sitting at 2-1, and one, the Seattle Seahawks, I definitely think that they are happy with where they're at. And I can't say that I disagree. They've been impressive. Russell Wilson has put the team on his back when need be, which is exactly what they need. And honestly, quite frankly, that's what you expect from a guy who is now a veteran and, you know, the staple of your team. He's the center of the of the squad and he leads and runs that operation there and that's what you need although we know that the Seattle Seahawks want to run the football at times he's the guy who needs to step up and he got the job done uh for you know the first two weeks they did lose to the New Orleans Saints surprising that they lost to a Drew Breesless New Orleans Saints team but Saints are they're a good team they're a good program even without Drew Brees at the helm they're going to be tough week in and week out Sean Payton is a great coach he'll have his guys prepared and ready and he'll also come with a great game plan. He'll expose what you don't do well, and he'll make sure to capitalize on whatever players he does have in the roster, whatever they do well. So, you know, that's a tough game regardless. For the rest of it, Seattle has been very impressive. You know, Chris Carson, unfortunately, has had a bunch of fumbles, but besides the fumbles, the team has been good. DK Metcalf is a nice surprise because DK Metcalf has, you know, a score under his belt already. He's been making some big plays or some impressive catches downfield. Um, we knew that that's kind of his thing. He can really stretch the field. And he's been doing that for the Seattle Seahawks. Him and Tyler Lockett look great. Russell Wilson, I already touched on, looks awesome. So Seattle Seahawks, definitely a playoff contender. Somebody who down the stretch is going to be scary. Somebody, you know, a team that you're not going to want to face come, you know, December and January. Up next, also at 2-1, and one, is the Chicago Bears. And quite frankly, I'm disappointed in the Chicago Bears because they have a ton of talent on defense, and they have a ton of weapons on offense, and yet I just feel that Matt Nagy doesn't deserve to be a head coach. There, I said it. It might be a little bold. I get it. He is a great offensive mind, but the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, he's not that great. He really is overrated, and because of it, this team is overrated. And not only that, Nagy... If you're going to have an overrated quarterback who really is just a glorified game manager, then you should be leaning on the run game where you have very talented players. David Montgomery can literally do everything from first to third down. He could do it all. 
mix in Tariq Cohen as a change of pace back, and you have one of the better backfields in the NFL. And yet, you insist on not deploying David Montgomery on a regular basis. You want to give Tariq Cohen inside carries in short and distances, short and goal distances. Like, I don't understand what you're doing, but you're not utilizing your personnel correctly. Yes, you got the most out of Taylor Gabriel this past week against the Washington Redskins. It was nothing to be proud of. You got a team that's not playing well, and you took advantage of them. But besides that, you really haven't been impressive. Although you have a great defense, you, you're, you Matt Nagy's supposed to be an offensive guy, and he's just not executing on the offense the way they should be. So I do believe they're a playoff caliber team. I believe they could be competitive down the stretch. I believe they'll fall short of those expectations, though, because of Matt Nagy not utilizing the offense correctly. And if he writes the ship, then this could be one of the better teams in the NFL. They have the potential and the talent on the team to be that good. Unfortunately, right now, not confident in uh, Matt Nagy's coaching abilities and his ability to recognize what he has on his team and put them in a position to win. That's the thing that Bill Belichick does better than any coach, and that's why they have such sustained success is because Bill Belichick puts his guys in the position to win. He puts them in the position where they're going to succeed by highlighting what they do best, not forcing them to do things that they're not really going to thrive in, like Mitch Trubisky throwing the football. Let the guy move. Let him run the ball. Let it be an extensive of the run game. Don't make him throw it down the field. Let him throw little passes, short passes, extension of the run game. Let him run. Let David Montgomery get going. Tariq Cohen has a change of pace back. Even working Mike Davis, if you want to be that run heavy, use three running backs. But the last thing you should be doing is trying to beat teams through Mitchell Trubisky's arm. Yes, you got away with it this past week with the Washington Redskins, but I wouldn't count on that week in and week out. As from a fantasy perspective, David Montgomery has been, you know, it's been a disappointment because he hasn't been utilized the way he should be. Tree Cohen has been a disappointment. He's not as good as, you know, he's been in years past. And quite frankly, that's because the tape's out on him. Everybody knows what Terry Cohen's going to do. He really, he can't bully you over. He's not a big guy. He's got to, you know, put a move on you, be agile, break some arm tackles. And if you just take your time and you break him down in front of him and you solid tackle, you wrap up. Tariq Cohen is too small to be getting away from NFL linebackers and defensive linemen. So he's really been... You know, I'm not saying he's completely ineffective now, but we found him out. People know about him now, and it's going to be tougher for him to get the job done rather than in his first two seasons when teams didn't know what to expect when facing the Bears. Now, this might not be a popular opinion, but this is my opinion. I'm going to stick to it. Like I said, all the talent in the world, but just not confident in the way they're deploying their offense. I think if they right the ship and they simplify things, which... Nagy has touched on recently I can get on board with them writing that ship and being a talented playoff caliber team but the way things are right now not too confident in that happening next we'll talk about the Minnesota Vikings another two and one team and the Minnesota Vikings came out hot very hot in week one you know they dominated my Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons it's really tough for me to admit that but they did then they drop one to the Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay is a great team. That's a divisional opponent, and it was in Green Bay, so not too surprised there. And then they go and dominate Oakland, who is a bad team, but again, a dominating performance by the Minnesota Vikings. So the Minnesota Vikings are exactly what we expected them to be, one of the better teams in the NFL. 
I do believe that Kirk Cousins isn't as good as we painted him out to be in the long run, but he is serviceable. And with Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, so many weapons. Now you have Irv Smith Jr. with Kyle Rudolph. That's a nice tight end duo. And you got a backfield with, you know, I think Alexander Madison is talented, but Dalvin Cook has been out of this world. And this is somebody that we have been adamant who is going to be a stud for a long time. It just took an extra year due to injury. He had to rehab and then finally get back to full strength. Now that he's at full strength, one of the better running backs in the NFL, if not a top five back. Uh, So definitely very pleased with Dalvin Cook if you took him in your fantasy drafts. But as a whole, a lot of hope and a lot of promise for the Minnesota Vikings going forward. Again, the teams that are good is really not much to talk about because we know what to expect with them. And quite frankly, they're just doing what we expected them to do. They're not, you know, like I said, they're not surprising us really. Um, They're really just performing the way we expected them to. And it would be more shocking if they were to be losing games. Keeping it rolling to another team that falls under the same category, the New Orleans Saints. Now, of course, we all know that the New Orleans Saints are without Drew Brees for the time being due to a hand injury, have to have surgery. And yet, look at them still pulling off a win against Seattle in Seattle. Like, that's a tough team, Seattle. That's a conference opponent, one of the better conference opponents in my opinion. And Teddy Bridgewater gets the win with the help of Sean Payton, great game plan. And the rest of the team, the defense stepped up. Alvin Kamara stepped up. Michael Thomas looks good. So, again, another team where we know where we're getting. They're a stud team. Even without Drew Brees at the helm, they're going to find ways to win game. They're going to be competitive down the stretch. They're going to be in the run for Super Bowl contention this year. This is a team that you can even go further and say they're actually looking at a Super Bowl. If they just made the playoffs, it's a disappointment for them. they got to get to the Super Bowl, especially with the way they lost the past two seasons. But it is a tough thing to do, so... Just being real, just being honest, the New Orleans Saints, they're in great shape. You love their studs, keep playing them. But as for right now, as long as Drew Brees isn't in the lineup, temper expectations because they will have some up and down weeks, especially against tough opponents. Like, for example, this upcoming week they get Dallas. You know, I wouldn't be thrilled about starting your Saints in that matchup. Now, of course, you're not benching guys like Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. Obviously not. But definitely temper expectations because Dallas is a good team, and they're a complete team. They got Zeke, they got Amari Cooper, they got Dak, they got Lane Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, you name it, they're active, and they're they're dominating teams. Dallas is a great team this year, somebody to definitely be concerned about, somebody we'll talk about later. Now, like I said, New Orleans, just as good as any team in the conference, definitely have real Super Bowl aspirations this year. We're seeing that play out on the field, but I'm just... Not fully confident that um, this Drew Brees thing won't derail them either. Like, not having Drew Brees is a tough, tough thing to replace. Now, like I said, they're a good team. They're going to be fine, I think, for down the stretch. But definitely got to keep an eye on the fact that they they don't have Drew Brees. And on a game-to-game basis, that might affect them. Like I said, in a light matchup, probably still get the win. But in a tough matchup against an opponent where, you know, say New Orleans has to travel into New England. A game that you would definitely expect New England to win, but you would expect it to be competitive with Drew Brees at the helm. They don't have a shot to win that game with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sorry, they just don't. Now, that's a hypothetical situation, but you get what my point is. Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees. Luckily for the Saints, Drew Brees will be back at some point this season, and as long as they can snag some wins in the meantime, they'll be just fine. Moving on to the 
Detroit Lions, they sit at 2-0-1. They have the one tie with the Arizona Cardinals. And I got to say, I'm taking a big fat L on this one. I projected the Detroit Lions to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Quite frankly, I'm going to stand by that prediction for now. They seem to be proving me wrong, but I don't know. Like I said, they tied Arizona the first week. Like, Arizona is not a great team. They shouldn't really be tying Arizona. But then you go and you beat Arizona. I'm sorry. You go and beat Los Angeles Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, those are two good teams, two playoff caliber teams. And yet, they pretty much controlled the game and won handedly. So, I really do think that, you know, the Detroit Lions are a better team than I expected. That being said, I can't buy in. I just can't. I get it. They have everything going for them, but I can't do it personally. I still project them to be one of the worst teams when it comes down to the end of it. Definitely not a competitor in their division with the way Green Bay is looking. Um, And not only Green Bay, but the Minnesota Vikings. I know the Detroit Lions right now rank a little bit higher because they don't have the loss. They have the tie. But I definitely think that uh, they're just better teams. You know, even the Bears, just a better team. They might not have as good as a record, but just a better team. Like, so I don't trust Matt Stafford when it comes down to, you know, longevity in the season. He's going to start making mistakes. But, I mean, they've proven me wrong so far. So maybe they continue to do so. And maybe they are better than I expect. But I just don't see it. Now, from a fantasy perspective, on Johnson hasn't been what you drafted him to be. But I would, you know, I would stay patient there. I do think he's a premier back in the NFL. Not a top five guy. Maybe out, not even inside the top 10, but definitely a premier back in the NFL. Somebody that you can trust to, you know, carry a full workload. And you know what you have on the weapons. It's Kenny Galladay on the outside. I like the addition of TJ Hawkinson. I just, you know, he exploded in week one and just hasn't been relevant since. And, you know, they're getting some decent play from their defense. And as always, as they had last year, they're getting solid play from their special teams, which, uh, you know, benefits them. You know, it might not be how everybody gets the job done, but there's not one way to skin a cat, and there you go. They get to uh, do it a little differently, relying on the consistency on the special teams. Now, like I said, that's really it for the Detroit Lions because they really have surprised me. I don't believe that they're the team that we've seen for through the first three weeks. I think they've been playing on a little bit of a hot streak, a little bit on a high, but they keep proving me wrong, and until they do so... Congratulations to the Lions. They're having an excellent season so far. I think it doesn't continue, but we'll see how it plays out. Up next is the San Francisco 49ers. Another surprise to me, undefeated, 3-0. Now, I'm as big of a fan of Kyle Shanahan as the next guy, but I definitely think he's getting more out of the defensive side of the ball than what I was expecting. Now, they haven't been amazing, but only one game that they let up 20 points and then the other two games, they let up 17 points. So they're not letting teams run up the score or really, you know, dominate. And that's what they're doing. They're dominating. They're running up the score. 31 points in week one, 41 points in week two, 24 in week three. As long as they score over 20 points, right now the trend is their defense isn't letting up 20 points. And if they can score more than that, they'll win. Not a bad strategy for an offensive genius like Kyle Shanahan at the helm of the team. But Garoppolo's playing great. They're getting a ton of production out of their backfield, um, whether it be, you know, I know Tevin Coleman's out, but Bryda, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Raheem Mostert have all 
played pretty well. They've all had flashes, and they've all, you know, put up some some production, whether they got into the end zone or put up some big plays here or there. And it's unfortunate from a fantasy perspective that it's not just one guy, but that's how the San Francisco 49ers are getting done. And quite frankly, that's good from a football perspective. They're sitting at 3-0. They got the Cleveland Browns at home next week. So I definitely am a little surprised because... I didn't expect them to be this good, and I'm believing the product on the field. That's the thing. That's why I'm surprised, because it doesn't surprise me that Kyle Shanahan is leading this team, because he's a great coach. I'm a huge fan of his, with his connection to Atlanta Falcons. You know, you know they got a pretty good quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm impressed that their defensive front seven is starting to come along. Like The thing to me, though, is like I'm really buying it. When I watch the games, when I watch the play, I'm like, wow. This is sustainable. They could do this all season long. They can really become a competitor in the NFC. And I wasn't expecting that. That's why I'm really shocked. Because they're a team that I thought was on the rise. I thought had some talent. But I didn't think they were going to be this good right away. And yet it shows and it seems like they are. So going forward, plenty of to be happy for as a San Francisco 49ers fan if you are. And, you know, just a lot to be hopeful for, a lot to build upon. And that's really it. Um, like I said, these last couple I'll run through just because they're all 3-0. You know? They have the world ahead of them, and they are exactly who we thought they would be. The first up of the three is the Dallas Cowboys. Sitting at 3-0, you know, everything's going right for the Dallas Cowboys. Their defense is playing out of this world, as they should be. They're very talented, and their offense is really clicking. Everybody was worried about the Zeke holdout. No Zeke holdout. Zeke looks great in the backfield. Amari Cooper looks great as the number one wide receiver. Dak Prescott looks great. He's just salivating at the fact that he hasn't gotten paid yet because it seems like every single week he's tacking on a couple more mil onto the deal that's, you know, pending for him as, as we speak. So the Cowboys, high hopes this year. It's hard for me to find a team that they at least can't compete with. I'm not saying they're going to win every game, but there's not a single team in the NFL that I don't think the Cowboys can compete with. That's including the Kansas City Chiefs. The the thing about the Cowboys is they're bringing it in, they're bringing it in every dimension of the game. They're playing well on offense. They're playing well on defense. Complimentary football, and that's what wins. The Kansas City Chiefs they're not really playing well on defense, and I think that's what's going to hold them back this year. I think they're an excellent team. Obviously, you know what you get on the offensive side of the football. Obviously, they're also sitting at three and zero. But when it comes to down the stretch football in January, you know the Super Bowl. I really think the Cowboys are looking at possibly making it there because they are a complete team. Now, moving right on, because as I said, you know, no reason to harp on these teams. They're very good. You want to start all their studs. So for a fantasy perspective, just before we wrap up the Cowboys, start Zeke, if I had to tell you that, Dak, Amari, even look at the number two wide receiver. Now you're taking a chance now that Gallup's not in the lineup. He's out for a little bit. So you don't really know who the number two is going to be from week to week. But worth a shot because Dak has been electric with the football. And their defense, one of the better units in the NFL, definitely consider them for a uh, season-long league using those uh, Dallas Cowboys defense. We'll move right on to the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers in at 3-0. The big surprise with them is the amount of production they're getting from their defense. Their defense is playing very well. They're, you know, winning the turnover margin. They're playing tough football. You really like to see that. And we know about the bad man on the other side of the field. Uh, that's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, there was no there was no disbelief. You didn't not believe that 
Aaron Rodgers was, you know, one of the best or could lead the team to being a Super Bowl caliber team. He just wasn't getting enough help from complementary football, whether it was at the skill positions or on the defense, neither of which are a problem anymore. Aaron Jones is great in the backfield. Devonta Adams, although he's not really blown out in the first couple of weeks, he still is a number one wide receiver, pulls a lot of the coverages his way, and allows you know the other wide receivers like Marquez Valdez-Scantling to thrive and do things that he wouldn't be able to do without Devonta Adams on the field. Devonta Adams is really just has to go through an adjustment. He's now a legitimate certified number one wide receiver. He's going to start getting that attention. He's going to start getting those double teams and those number one follow corners, those lockdown corners. He's going to have to learn how to A, start beating those type of coverages where it's you know really focused at you, and B, he's going to have to deal with the fact that he's not always going to be the best option, that the ball is going to have to go to other places because they're expecting it to go to Devonta Adams. It's always a tough thing for a player to adjust to, a player who's you know a high-caliber player, a competitive player, and wants to be involved and wants to score touchdowns because he wants to help his team to victory. But it's uh, something that every true stud in the NFL has to get over. It is a team sport, and Devonta Adams is no exceptions to that. So he didn't explode just yet this year, but he's still the number one wide receiver, still the top dog, and uh, you're playing him with confidence, obviously, going forward. You know, you're playing Aaron Jones. This offense is dynamite. You might want to take a chance at Jimmy Graham on a week-to-week basis. He's not going to be very consistent, but we knew that when, you know, if you had him last year, that's the same thing. And for season long, he wasn't great, but from week to week, he had some matchups where you really, you wish you had Jimmy Graham in your lineup, you know, like I said. Um, And then last, we'll move on to the Los Angeles Rams, also sitting at 3-0, no surprise here. And they're picking up right where they left off. Todd Gurley looks great. Getting some help from the backup to Malcolm Brown. A little surprised Henderson hasn't been more involved because they did hype him up so much in the offseason. But it just didn't come to fruition. But they're still getting a ton of uh, production out of that backfield. So no surprise there. Jared Goff looks great. Like I said, as great as Jared Goff is going to look. He's not, in my opinion, a premier passer in the NFL. But he's in the right system and he's got a ton of talent around him. So... And that hasn't really changed, you know. You still got Robert Woods, still got Cooper Cup, still got Brandon Cooks. Got some talented tight ends there. Jared Goff, Los Angeles Rams, you know what you're getting from them. They're going to be a competitor down the stretch. You're starting all your players on for a fantasy perspective from them because they're going to score a ton of points. And, you know, Super Bowl aspirations for the Rams. Definitely think that uh, it'll be a little bit more difficult this year. They'll have a little bit of a harder run. Not because they're any worse, but just because, obviously, this is the NFL. People catch on quick. And uh, they'll definitely adapt. So the Rams will have to adapt. But uh, I also think the um, talent pool, the competitiveness in the NFC is a little bit higher this year. Definitely going to struggle with teams like the Packers and the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, the Saints and the Vikings will be in it down the stretch. So definitely, definitely a great team. Definitely sky's the limit for the Rams. But it'll be interesting to see if uh, they can battle back to a Super Bowl where they fell short last year. And that, guys, is our entire nfc first three week breakdown thanks for joining us for episode 60 um once again we hope you are following us at football md pod on all of our social media pages and go visit our website at footballmdpodcast.com thanks again for joining us we really appreciate it like we said from week to week now you'll get constant episodes so we know that this was a lot to digest 
That's why why we did part A where we broke down AFC, part B, this one where we broke down NFC. Everything you needed to know for the first three weeks. Now we can look ahead. Don't forget, guys, engage with us on our social media pages. That's why we're here. We're here to help you with your start and sits. We're here to help you with whatever questions you have going forward. And uh, also, quick shout out, go check out our Sully Says page on our website where author James Ruka puts out weekly picks as Sully the Gambler and uh, great articles week to week. Definitely going to want to check those out, guys. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time.